and I drive a motorcycle lane splitting in California. And so there's a part of me that, again, the rebellious nature, I'm gonna be the hacker on the motorcycle <laughs> where all the self-driving cars are going around me and I get to just kind of do what I want. And so I think when we get to the point that people can focus on whatever they care about and let, let someone else do the drive and let someone else do the work, I think that'll be a, a net gain. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In the third and concluding episode of our three-part mini-series with Gremlin CEO and founder Colton Andrus, he moves from chaos engineering to his personal views of the world, talking about his rebellious side, and being a father of five kids, and how his remarkable wife, Carrie, solved the problem of a terribly dated education system. Let's imagine, for some reason, you have to walk away from it. What do you think you'd do? So this is another joke on my team that we talk about occasionally. I talked about fixing procurement and procurement systems, but actually, I think there's a lot of opportunity to take our learning from tech and microservices and complex systems and apply it to the rest of our world. Uh, most in particular, I think our political system is due for a little refactoring, a little cleanup, a little simplification, and maybe just a new approach to how we're doing some things. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, what are you not good at, Colton? If you were to l look at yourself, what are, the, what are the one or two things you'd like to be better at? Mm, well, I'm always very conscious about being a better father. Uh, with five children, it's hard to spend enough time with them each individually. And so I care a lot about ensuring that I keep that work-life balance. And I work hard and I do due diligence, but that I also am investing that time because in the end, this, that's why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for my family and for my children. And so I don't want to lose them while I'm successful at this game. Oh, there's a lot of things I'm not good at, frankly. That's, this, this is life, right? It's keeping humility and always trying to look for ways to improve. You know, I, I'm grumpy when I don't eat. My wife gives me the three o'clock, four o'clock snack. Because I do, I get hangry, I have hypoglycemia in my family. It's, it, you know, I'm a bit of a contrarian. I have to find that right balance. I'm very blunt, which uh, earns me a lot of credibility with some people, but it also offends others. And so, yeah. Lots of things to work on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you what, what ages your kids are? Yeah, my oldest is 17. I have wow. a 17-year-old girl, a 15-year-old boy, a 12-year-old girl, a 8-year-old girl, and a 7... No, I got that wrong. 17, 15, 12, 10, 8. Girl, boy, girl, girl, boy. Dude, you, you, look, you look young on it, I'll tell you. I started young. Okay, uh, fair enough. I married the girl next you door. You grew up quickly, yeah. Uh, and we did. We, we got thrust into life and, and cool. had to get to work. I, I had children during college. I worked full time. I, I had a college. I was doing my education, working full time, and being a father. But the nice thing is, if you've done that, startup life is it's pretty much the same or, or even a little easier. Yeah, you're running six startups, basically. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I can, you know, I'm, I'm full of admiration. I've only got, I've got two kids, and uh, for me, it seems like uh, such a massive, it's such, a, it's such a massive amount of, of uh, work. It's a positive thing, but five, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. To be quite well, honest with you, you can be in awe of me, but credit goes to my wife. Uh, of course, stay-at-home mom, homeschooled them, 
uh, always thinking about how to take good care of them. Now she's now they're out of homeschool and in the public school system, but she spends a lot of time volunteering. So really, my wife Carrie is the reason our our children are great and our family has survived this long. That's very cool. And why did you make the decision to homeschool, if I could ask? Yeah, well, we both uh, were very frustrated with our high school experiences in particular. I. Honestly, I was the kid that got in a lot of trouble because I was bored, because a lot of it was easy. And yep. uh, we just didn't feel like it was a good use of time for our children to have that inefficiency and that wasted time. And so my wife did a lot of research and there's a lot of opportunity to do different approaches. You know, she'll tell you that the education system we have today is mostly based off of, you know, training factory workers from the early 1900s. and. You know, she prefers a more Jeffersonian approach of what are you interested in? What do you want to learn about? Let's teach you about the world. Let's engage that curiosity. So again, I just, some systems I think could be improved or refactored because we're operating with a century or two old information. And in the startup SaaS enterprise world, that's not, that's not quick iteration. <laughs> Getting in trouble because it was easy and you were bored. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me as a kid, actually. Uh, I was in seven schools before I went to uni, uh, and I had the very same problem. Uh, so, yeah, I can really relate to that. I, I'm a high school dropout. I have oh, my GED. Oh, okay, well, you're, you're a little level. So, and it was so silly. I got kicked out because I didn't hand in a, a health credit packet on time because I was in marching band my freshman year, of all things. And so, <laughs> it was the silliest reason to not graduate, but I wear it as a badge of honor now. Good on you. I got kicked out for my last school for refusing to do Irish, actually. And then I got into languages later in life. But, uh, <laughs> but they let me come back and do the exams. So I guess uh, I, I didn't go, quite get completely kicked out, I guess. Well, it know? sounds like your administration was a little bit more reasonable. Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely operating uh, from another century. That's for sure. Uh, education needs to evolve. Uh, just like just about everything else. Do you feel that's a big problem that our technology is evolving so fast and you know as humans we can only evolve so fast do you think that's a real challenge how we can handle all of all of this change that's yeah. so alien to us? Yeah my personal opinion there are some things that will have to be generational because I've noticed that certain members of my family that they just they think a certain way and, and it's very difficult to persuade them to think otherwise. They were taught it when they were young, it's been reinforced, and so it's, it's really difficult to get them out of that. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to iterate and innovate. I, for one, I see all of these parallels in the way that we build these complex distributed technical systems and how we have this complex distributed social system. And so I think that actually we'll be able to take a lot of the things that we uncover and learn about building and running systems and, and the internet and apply them back to society. Or at least, that's my hope. Uh, I'm gonna take the optimistic view there. And you know, uh, you mentioned that uh, you, know, you, you had the kids uh, learning stuff on the computers with you, which is a really cool thing. You were working together with them. And um, one thing I worry about with my kids is the overexposure uh, to screens and uh, I think it's a, there's a ticking time bomb there. And part of the solution, I think, perhaps will be, uh, well, part of it will be a realization that we need to do something about it. But I think maybe voice, uh, uh, voice interfaces and perhaps it going the other way, perhaps computing becoming more distributed, uh, you know, individual, um, I suppose, boxes of tricks or 
things that exist only for the computing power, uh, I think they'll go by the wayside eventually. How do you see how do you see that playing out? Do you see that as a problem? I mean, my again, I'll credit my wife here. We have days where no electronics are allowed, and we definitely want to have that balance of, you know, in touch with the environment, hiking and being outside. I'm a big backpacker. I love camping. Uh, being able to interact with other people, being involved in social or community, things like that are very important. I do like your idea. I, I agree that in the long run, computing will, will go back into the, the background a little bit. And there'll be opportunities to focus on the social interactions or the other aspects and have that as an augment instead of the main attraction. Um, but between now and then, uh, my children are going to watch a few hundred thousand hours of YouTube videos. <laughs> Uh, and I don't have a great solution there. I try to guide them toward better content, and I hope it's somewhat educational or valuable. Um, but I watched, I watched a lot of worthless TV as a kid too. So some of that is culture, and some of that is just cost of doing business. Is there any tech trend uh, outside of the whole chaos engineering uh, or domains that are very close to what you're doing? Is there any tech trend separate to your own business that really uh, excites you at the moment? So, not separate to my or business maybe not separate, is, is like the AWS, the trend of moving to the cloud. So, having grown up at Amazon, I'm a big fan of this is just a more efficient way to do this. The container movement has been interesting. I have my eye on the serverless movement because I, I still think there's a ton of operational problems that no one has given a good answer to. You can't build something like Netflix out of just serverless without some glue and some things to make it work and scale. So I have my eyes on all of those. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of self-driving cars. I guess that's uh. one that, uh, and I drive a motorcycle lane splitting in California. And so there's a part of me that, again, the rebellious nature, I'm gonna be the hacker on the motorcycle <laughs> where all the self-driving cars are going around me and I get to just kind of do what I want. But I think that from an efficiency and a, and a benefit to society, I think, People drive not now, not because they want to, which I think it was early on. They do it because they have to. In fact, yeah. my oldest doesn't have her license and wants it, but doesn't really care about it. And so I think when we get to the point that people can focus on whatever they care about and let, let someone else do the drive and let someone else do the work, I think that'll be a, a net gain. Uh, Gaurav Dillon, the, the, uh, Gaurav Dillon, the, the CEO of uh, SnapLogic, he was on the SAS Monster stage today and he was talking about that they still haven't solved the plastic bag problem with, I don't know a lot about driverless cars and I didn't realize that. Is, uh, is that a huge issue that driverless cars can't, don't really know how to interpret a, a plastic bag blowing in the wind? That's interesting. I'm not aware of that and I know a little bit about computer vision, but not much. There's, yeah. some, there's some interesting problems to solve there. Yeah, um, yeah. I think and I'll, I'll leave it to smarter people than I. Thanks a million for giving me your time uh, on 14 Minutes of SaaS. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Stephen. It's great having a discussion. Uh, you asked some great questions, so I appreciate it. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. In the next episode, we return to Collision in New Orleans, where I chatted with Tyler Koblasa, founder and CEO of three-year-old startup CloudApp a visual media sharing platform enabling anyone to quickly create, upload, and manage visual content. It counts Facebook, Uber, and Adobe amongst its clients. And uh, moving up to San Francisco, you jump into this massive uh, 
pool and you know it's easy to drown in it it's also easy to get distracted and just you know from companies and their inflated valuations and you know raising these large uh, financing rounds to then seeing you know them all many of them also died because the revenue wasn't there You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thank you to Ketsu for music provided under a Creative Commons license. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.